Coming up on Podcast 1718, Hertz and Uber expand their EV partnership. Is this a good way to get people in EVs or not? Stick around, I'll tell you more. Also on the show today, the Chevy Corvette E-Ray, BYD's network of dealers in the UK, and what's happening with EV batteries in Italy. Those stories and a lot more coming up on the podcast today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. This is EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for what happened on Wednesday, 18th of January. My name is Martin Lee, and I've been through every story today in the EV world, so you don't have to. I'm here to save you time. Isn't that good? We'll start with some sales numbers and the Netherlands, where plug-in car sales reached a 51% share last month in December. How many were registered last month? Well, I got the number for you. It's 15,757. The share of rechargeable cars out of the total volume, so you've got a plug socket on the side, that is 51%. More than half, just, but we'll take it, right? The final month of the year was good for all electric cars, uh, which, with roughly 13,500 registrations, was a 44% market share. So in the Netherlands... Pretty much everything with a plug socket is a full bev. Very few plug-in hybrids. According to Inside EVs, they write that last year more than 107,000 new passenger plug-in electric vehicles were registered in the Netherlands, which is over 12% more than in 2021, and about 35% of the total market. One of the biggest surprises of December, they say, was a very high number of Tesla Model Y deliveries. That was 2,296 registrations, and first, not only amongst all EVs, but all vehicles. Okay, all cars, I think that is. Regardless of powertrain, the next five positions in December were VW cars. Well, the group cars, let me be specific. The Audi Q4 e-tron, the Cupra Born, the Audi e-tron, the VW ID5 and the VW ID4 all behind the Tesla Model Y. So, if you actually look at the year, not just the month of December, but let's look at the whole year in the Netherlands. Uh, what's been the number one selling re- rechargeable car? That was actually a car I've not mentioned yet. It was the Link and Co. That's a plug-in hybrid. Uh, the Link and Co. Zero One, followed by the Skoda Enyaq IV. The Tesla Model Y in third place with almost 4,000 vehicles sold. So. You know, over half of the Model Ys on the road were done in the last month alone compared to the previous 11 months. Then the Peugeot E208 and the Kia e-Nero slash Nero EV. I'll pop a link to that story in the show notes if you'd like to find out more. But just brilliant news. Another country. We do this every, almost every day now. Another country that is exceeding all expectations, I think. When you talk about 51% of new vehicles having a plug socket on the side, it's just spectacular news. Let's go from there to there. California is next in the news. California recounted for 40% of US zero emission vehicle sales last year. So in California, about a fifth, 19% actually, 19% of all cars sold in the year of 2022 were zero emission vehicles. So that's California, a fifth. One in five vehicles is a zero emission vehicle in California. And it's 40% of all ZEV's sales, including hybrid vehicles in the US. A database collated by the California Energy Commission showed yesterday that about 346,000 zero emission vehicles were sold last year in California. 
According to Reuters.com, they got the numbers. What was out in the lead? It was actually Model 3, not Model Y. Model 3 was number one in California. About 95,000 of those were sold in California last year. And again, I've just said the number, the big number, 346,000 of those, almost 100,000 with the Model 3s. Model Y, though, was only 1,000 behind. That's 94,000. So by the time you add those two together, you've got 350,000 Zevs zero emission vehicles in California and 200,000 of those are Teslas. Well, Californians bought about 51,000 plug-in hybrids vehicles last year. 80,000 EV chargers were installed last year. Some great stats there from a single state. Now, let's get on to an actual car launch. What do you make of this? Should should this vehicle even be on this podcast? The Chevy Corvette E-Ray has been revealed. Not only is it electrified, not electric, it has performance parts and specifications that rival, according to autoblog.com, they say the mighty Z06. But I don't know what one of those is because I don't pay much attention to combustion world. The hybrid Corvette's power comes from the V8 in the middle and an electric motor on the front axle, whereas the combustion stuff powers the rear wheels. The electric motor does 160 horsepower on its own. Chevy estimates the E-Ray, 0-60, 2.5 seconds, thanks to that electrification. But it's it's a tiddly tiny one. It's a 1.9 kilowatt hour battery, and there's no plug socket. So should I even be talking about it? Because it's just another hybrid. The battery actually sits between the two occupants up front. Uh, the motor is pretty compact. If you look at the cargo specs, it only loses a tiny amount over the regular corvette it's got some electric modes they call it stealth mode you and i well if you drive an electric vehicle you'd just call it normal mode but either way they call it stealth mode so and i guess you know again i'm not massively up on corvettes because you know combustion but i'm imagining if you're heading off to work at five in the morning or something or just you know you've got to be up now or you're getting home late at night you probably want to arrive or leave in electric only mode for the sake of you know, being neighbourly if it's going to be a noisy sports car. It can do electric up to 45 miles an hour, which is a fair way off best in class, I would say. And that's not under full acceleration if you floor it, the engine kicks in. And you can have different modes to ensure that if you are going to a certain area that you want to engage stealth mode, the battery will be topped up. But like I say, it's less than two kilowatt hours. So... It really is there to, you know, as a supplement more than anything else. And should I even be talking about it? Ooh, let me know. Now, let's move on and talk Ford. One of the really interesting things I thought about Ford's EV plans for Europe was that they skipped a few rungs of the ladder by buying the VW technology using VW's MEB platform. And it's not badge engineering. It's not going to be the same car with the Ford logo on. Uh, They're going to tune and design and engineer those cars but they'll be using that platform vw's meb platform if you don't know by the way if you're new to the podcast uh, it's all a bit nerdy stuff but that's what the id3 the id4 the id5 the id buzz they all sit on so great for vw they get to design a platform and license it to ford great for ford they get to a bit of a, a leg up as it were but that partnership is going to be less interdependent 
that makes sense, in the future, because Ford will wind down that relationship. After launching the first two all-electric EVs, they're going to then move to their own technology. They say that the MEV platform from VW was what they call transitional technology, according to Automotive News. It saved them about two full years of development time. That's according to Martin Sanders. Now, he's Ford's e-car development manager here in Europe. Ford is spending $2 billion to convert their Cologne factory to build those two MEB cars. And to do that, they're ending the Fiesta's run there. Now, by the middle of the decade, Ford, on their part, say they want to sell 600,000 EVs a year in Europe. Wow. The first MEB cars will be unveiled this March. And it's going to be Ford's version of the ID4. Again, it's not going to be the ID4 with a Ford badge. It's, I'm, I'm talking about size and stuff like that. Ford describes their second EV that will come as sport crossover, whatever that means, going into production at that Cologne factory. Now, the Chinese are coming. I mean, they're here. I own one. I own an MG. The mighty, mighty MG ZSCV. And so when the next wave of EVs arrive, not with a name like MG, which people think is British, because it used to be, BYD is going to be one of those names. The first stores in the UK will be opening this quarter, and vehicle sales will follow shortly after. The first confirmed dealer partners, this will mean nothing to any of my listeners outside the UK, Pendragon, Arnold Clark, Lookers, and LSH. The first BYD will be the Atto 3. They previously announced that that's, that's the SUV, by the way. Then they'll follow the Atto 3 with the Tang and the Han. Uh, although it remains unclear. According to Electrive, when these models arrive a month after announcing their electric vehicle trio, they announced plans to offer its SEAL, that's the saloon, sedan, sometime this year. There have been reports that BYD also looking to bring the Dolphin, which is a compact EV. That's five. In Germany alone, BYD wants to sell six figures by 2026. Uh, whether that's you know four, five, six models they've got on sale very soon, that's uh, a really interesting bit of news that they've got their dealer network lined up here in the UK. They're serious, right? They're not mucking around. They're serious. They want to get this right. Okay, coming up on the podcast soon, we'll talk about Italian batteries and a new super hub at Stonehenge. Stick around. Those stories and more are on the way. Now, headline story. I reckon this is a great bit of news for electric vehicles. Because, you know, if, if you've been listening to this podcast a, a wee while, you'll know this. I bang on, about, bang on about it all the time. The best way to get someone to buy an EV is to let them try it. And it's why, you know, I used to love, like back in the day, Tesla used to do their whole, was it a thousand miles or was it seven days? What was it? Was it a thousand miles? No, was it seven days? Either way, Elon Musk for a while before they binned off that program would talk about it all the time being like there's no risk there's literally no risk buy a tesla drive it for a week and if you don't like it give it back now that got quietly binned off shortly after uh, but for a while it lasted i love that because there was no risk there's no apart from obviously financing a fifty thousand car you know you gotta go through the application process etc etc and if you it finally arrives in your driveway they're banking on the fact that you're not going to hand it back that would be a faff either way I think the best way to get people into EVs is to get them in one. And a great way to do that is with Hertz and Uber's expanding EV partnership. Here in Europe, they'll make up to 25,000 electric vehicles available to Uber drivers to rent across Europe by 2025. It's going to start in the UK 
actually in London, and from London they'll go to Paris and Amsterdam. It builds on the existing partnership with Hertz in North America. You know, there, there are 50,000 drivers benefiting through the partnership of Hertz and Uber. Uber wants to be zero emissions in 2025 in London. They've really come up against it here. I know that every region and area, some places have just banned the likes of Uber. Certainly over here, they've been given a, a, a tougher regulatory framework to operate in more lately, more recently. Um, but one of the ways that they have been combating uh, that is to say, hey, we want to go zero emissions. We're here. We're a green company, etc., etc. Uh, the European expansion of Hertz and Uber's partnership uh, begins this month, now in July. So Uber drivers can get their vehicle from Hertz. So Hertz are just buying a ton of EVs and Uber will help their drivers get into zero emission vehicles. Now, I don't know how the business model works, whether you've got to pay um, monthly or even weekly. So maybe maybe you've got to do the first, I don't know, 20 rides or something before you've even paid back your vehicle rental, before you even start making any money. I'm not sure how it works, but if there are business models out there where Hertz can take on all that big upfront cost and then over time rent, lease, sub those vehicles to Uber drivers and in the long run make some more money, that's great. Because the one thing we can't ask Uber drivers to do, who, you know, some not all. I'd say some have got absolutely no chance of buying a new electric vehicle because they're so expensive. It's a great way to do it. And it's going to save them money on operating costs, of course, isn't it? On fuel, especially if you can charge at home overnight, those kind of things. And customers absolutely love it, don't they? Brilliant news. Now, let's go to Italy, where Italvolt is getting together with StoreDots. Now, Italvolt are developing Italy's big battery cell factory. StoreDot are developing... Uh, XFC batteries, extreme fast charging. And the collaboration between those two includes an offtake agreement for StoreDot. So Italvolt will make the StoreDot solid state batteries. StoreDot will purchase those for its own businesses and its own customers. StoreDot's roadmap is, you know, a um, hundred in something. Let me explain. So their ambition is to develop battery cells for EVs that will do that will charge 100 miles of range in five minutes. That's by 2024. So those those batteries are in test vehicles right now with all the big car makers that are connected with StoreDot. So 100 miles in five minutes. Then by 2032, and this sort of, it's incremental, but I think the end of their roadmap is 2032. It's 100 miles in two minutes. And, and that is, well, I mean, we know that charging technology is getting better all the time. I know it, you know it. And... Can you imagine, like, you know, a three or four minute stop? A four minute stop is probably twice as fast as trying to get petrol. By the time you've queued up at the petrol pump and um, you've pumped the petrol, you've walked all the way in, you've queued up, etc., etc. You made a four minute stop. You've added 200 miles of range. That's their roadmap. Now, the development of these new batteries, they're more efficient, they last longer, they charge faster. And these lithium-ion batteries, along with Italvolt, where they'll make them in Italy, is all part of Italy's industry, which wants to go forward with electric vehicles and that green industrialization. I'll pop a link to Italvolt's website, where I found this press release, in the show notes. Talking of store dots, their XFC batteries are now being tested by 15 of the world's biggest car brands. 
and it has additional potential manufacturing partnerships in the pipeline. Automotive makers are now conducting real-world testing of their XFC batteries. These big car makers encompass the leading car makers in Europe, Asia, and the US. And at the minute, they are holding up to the promise. So these batteries will be in vehicles in 2024. They're on sale in 2024. And on in you know in in the testing that's happening in the real world according to this story they are delivering on 100 miles in 5 minutes which was the the goal by 2024 which is just brilliant 300 watt hours per kilogram pouch cells uh a thousand uh life cycles fast cycles and you know no battery degradation because of extreme fast charging so just really really impressive there's a new super hub opening up near Stonehenge, one of the most visited, one of the most famous places on the planet. The historical icons of Stonehenge, the big stones. Uh, Gridserve have a new electric super hub there. A few minutes down the A303, Solstice Park. Of course, they've called it Solstice Park. Not Gridserve, but, you know, whoever named that place. Uh, there's eight of them. So there's eight 350s there, which is brilliant. Now, 350 kilowatt chargers, uh, uh, you're never going to turn them down. How useful they are now compared to in the future when there'll be faster charging vehicles. But I guess it's future proofing, isn't it? So there's eight 350s. There's a Greg's. There's a Taco Bell. They're drive through. A drive through Greg's. Oh. <laughs> For those who don't know what I'm talking about, Greg's is a particular brand of takeaway cafe. Cafe's pushing it a bit because you wouldn't really sit in a Greg's, would you? Um, it's pasties and sausage rolls. It's stuff that they keep warm in the little incubator behind the glass screen. And, uh, you know, they do a mean vegan sausage roll. <laughs> uh, those charges are now online. And, and actually, in all seriousness, uh, that is a route that I don't do a lot because I'm a bit, I'm in Dorset, which is a bit south of there. But if you are doing London to the southwest, or if you're driving to the southwest, then. It is a little bit sparse, but until you get down, sort of exit away. So that's a really good location. Fantastic. I love Gridsurf so much. Holy mate. I've been using their Norwich, uh, their, their Norwich electric forecourt uh, quite a lot recently. I've been going home to uh, where well, my family is actually in 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 uh, in Norfolk, not for particularly wonderful reasons, unfortunately. But um, so I've been going that there sort of two two three times a week, and uh, I've been using that that super hub uh, that electric forecourt in Norwich so much and I love it it's brilliant now let's quickly talk about the UK government they say they want to save drivers of EVs a thousand pounds a year by launching their electric vehicle smart charging action plan uh, with smart charging to take advantage of cheap and clean electricity, which, of course, is what many people do already. It's certainly what I do. I've moved from uh, Octopus Go Faster to Octopus Go because Go Faster is dead now. Uh, so I've unfortunately gone from 5p to 12p, but never mind how um, I've noticed that. But I, so I, you know, I charge overnight on, on Cheapy Cheaperson, um, which I think most people do. Anyway, the government have said, we've got an idea. You can charge your EV overnight when it's cheaper and... That's our idea, and we've all gone, brilliant. Thank you, government. However, they also want to invest in smart street lamp posts, which is a good thing, and also they want to push forward vehicle to load, which is a very good thing. There's been bazillions of trials. There's been a handful of trials for bazillions of years, and it's so frustrating how slowly this moves. Volkswagen, with their big batteries on the ID4, maybe even on the ID3, the Tour? Is it the Tour Pro? The one with the big 77 kilowatt hour battery and only four seats because of the weight limit? Either way, the big battery VWs were meant to have vehicle to lo- a vehicle to grid or vehicle to home last summer. 
like Q, Q2, Q3. They were going to announce their wall box partners and off you go. If you've got one of those vehicles, get one of those bi-directional charged. And what are we are now, almost in February. And there's, it's just been deathly silence from VW about that. So this is good news. The UK government going to push it forward. And an opinion piece by Autocar's Jim Holder on how to tax EVs. I'll pop a link in the show notes if you want to have a little read of it. I think it's a real good thought starter if you want to tax the brain cells. Uh, He says, as the government ponders how to tax EVs, I'm surprised how little debate is being directed at rewarding efficiency, a glaring omission, considering the industry's focus, driven in part by customer demand, on prioritising bigger and high-riding cars, which in both cases are typically more profitable but more consumptive. For now... EVs make more sense in renewable-loving Norway than coal-dependent Poland. And why the UK, which is a mid-table performer in CO2 output from energy generation, must remain focused on investing in renewables. Luxury is less the enemy of efficiency than our obsession with SUVs, it seems. Although it's likely that the combination of the two represent a worst-case scenario. The premise of taxing less efficient cars has underpinned road tax for combustion cars for years and it should do so again in the ev era that's jim's opinion i'd love to know what you think about that because you've got to tax ev somehow uh, do it on efficiency interesting so we've just got the kona uh, alongside the mg and the kona is not a big vehicle now my wife loves it she likes the styling she feels she sits a little bit higher but you really don't if you put if you put a kona next to an id3 or a ford mustang or something um it, the Kona is a small vehicle. The boot is tiny. The rear legroom is is not great, but it does us. It suits us, and my wife loves it. and And it's got crazy next level efficiency, so that is great for us. But you know, if I if I had my way, unlimited money, it'd probably be an ID four on the driveway, or maybe a Model Y, or maybe you know, Audi e-tron, Fantasy World. Um, but I, I don't need a vehicle that big, so thought starters right uh, thank you very much for listening our premium partners are phil roberts of electric future brad crosby thank you so much sir porsche of the village in cincinnati audi of cincinnati east volvo cars of cincinnati east national car charging they're on the u.s mainland and aloha charge are over in hawaii Derek riley has his brilliant ev review island youtube channel richard is at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling EVs in the UK. Octopus Electric Universe, global public charging made simple. You've got one app and one map. I've been using it a lot. It's like my journey's back to East Anglia. Uh, Millbrook Cottages, they're in Devon, and you can go see Bob and the family. They they run five-star luxury cottages in Devon. Um, Check out the website and mention EV News Daily when you book. And lease plan electric moments, all the tools and guidance that EV drivers need. Have a good and see tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.